This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I don't know if our listeners have heard from us this often before. I think we're going to have three episodes coming out week after week after week, which is just something we've never done before. But like we said at the beginning of the year, if there's big news, we want to be flexible enough to record extra episodes and distribute those quickly. Like we said at the beginning of the year, we have actually scheduled the entire year out. We actually know every episode that's coming out every month of this year. But... We've had two huge news stories break, and we wanted to discuss those. We didn't want to put those off any longer. Midnight Sun is going to be published. That's the first big news item. And the second is that there is going to be a Percy Jackson TV show, which is crazy. I I don't think any of you expected all of this uh, to happen. It just kind of came out of nowhere. So before we dive into those two topics, let's go ahead and introduce everybody who's here. My name is Saul, and we also have Brigitte. Hi, guys. We have Eleanor. Hi. We have Addie. Hi, guys. Spencer. Hello, everyone. Michael. Hi. And Mary. Hi. Like I said, there's a lot to go over. I think I think it's safe to say that if you're a YA fan, and especially if you're feeling any sense of nostalgia lately, like right now is a great time to be alive. Despite the crazy pandemic that's going on, at the very least... We've got these two huge things. Well, even if you throw in the Hunger Games prequel, that's a big event that's happening right now in YA also. But there's just so much happening. I don't know. What what do you guys think about this? I feel like it just kind of all came out of nowhere. I feel like it's 2010 again. Yeah, I really want to know what wormhole we've gone through like to get to this weird parallel universe where everything is like 20 years ago. Like, everything that's coming out, everything that's new is something old, and it's weird and amazing, and I'm I'm so confused. I think what's funny about it is, at least for myself, I would say in the last few years, I've been feeling a lot of nostalgia fatigue, because they've really been leaning into nostalgia for a while with remakes and reboots and stuff. But like you both just said, I think given the pandemic and everything, this is perfect. <laughs> so it's great to kind of be able to go back and revisit some of those old franchises, whether it's through screen or through a new book. I'm definitely excited. And one other thing I was I wanted to add was we've now released our Hunger Games pre-show. And going back and listening to that, it was very negative. <laughs> about the book and we're a few days away from the actual release by the time this episode's out the book will be on shelves people will have it in their hands but we haven't read it yet i i do have to say though that as we've gotten closer i found myself so much more excited 
for this book to come out. I read the first chapter. I'm actually kind of happy so far based off of what I've seen. I don't know. I'm I'm very excited for, for the Hunger Games prequel at this point. Yeah, I'm somehow more interested in reading it now for no apparent reason. I just this I think it's the excitement. I think it's the hype that I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm actually really excited about this. I wanna like reread all the books and buy the book and get excited for the film and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I finished re-listening to the first Hunger Games book. I did it all in a day and I'm about halfway through catching fire. I don't know if I'll be able to do all three before the release, but yeah, I'm totally feeling it right now. So it's exciting. One thing I wanted to say was that if you like our show and if you've been with us for a while, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts because if you do that, you'll make it way easier for other people to find us. Um, We just also really appreciate it. And the second thing is that you can share your thoughts and comments about anything we discuss in this episode or in another episode by reaching out to us via voicemail, email, or Twitter. And there are links to all of three of those things in the show notes. If you want to look us up on Twitter, we are at bookmarked YA. Let's go ahead and start with Midnight Sun. That was the first thing to break and... And just knowing the history behind this book, I I think it's pretty nuts and crazy to think that it's finally coming out. What were your guys' first reactions when you heard that Stephanie Meyer is finally publishing Midnight Sun? I think the thing that went through my mind was, it's about time. Uh, Yeah, no, I was kind of the complete opposite. I hadn't, I don't think I knew about Midnight Sun originally. Like, I've not heard the news about it as it's progressed over the past however many years it's been so I was just a bit like why and I feel really guilty saying that now because I know that she's worked hard on it and I know how many people want it but part of me is just like we have this story like I'd rather another Twilight novel like set in the world maybe and one exploring Bella being a vampire more because that's my favorite part of the entire series um, but yeah I was just a bit like well we have the story already so yeah, I was a bit unsure. I was definitely shocked after the um, the gender bent version that came out for its anniversary, tenth anniversary, fifteenth anniversary. I don't know. Um, and so to see that, I thought that took Midnight Sun's place. That we would never see Midnight Sun at that point onwards. So I was just shocked. I didn't have much more of a reaction than, than just shock. I didn't didn't think we would ever be seeing this book. I mean, I remember when the movies were out hearing rumors that Midnight Sun was going to come out however many years later, like it's finally happening. So I'm excited about it. And I read it 672 pages, I believe. It's this is Midnight Sun. So it's Uh, about 150 pages longer, I think. And considering the manuscript, which I read, I'm not surprised because Edward uses these just really long sentences. <laughs> he also, at some point, he also says something is effervescent. You're just like, what? <laughs> so uh, that's going to be a doozy to get through. Yeah, I'm, I was definitely shocked by how huge it is. I think one thing, though, that Eleanor brought up was that she didn't know the history behind this book beforehand. And speaking with friends, I found a lot of people actually had no idea what Midnight Sun was and didn't understand why it was such a big, why this announcement is such a huge deal 
to Twilight fans. And I suspect there might be listeners who are also unaware of the history of this book. So maybe to just give some context, Stephanie Meyer began writing this book when she was still writing the original Twilight series. I don't even think Breaking Dawn had come out yet at the time. And she had released a chapter on her website. And that had been circulated for a long time. Uh, She was very open about the fact that she was writing this book. It's so old that she gave the manuscript to Robert Pattinson and Catherine Hardwick, who were, I think Catherine Hardwick was the director of the first Twilight film. She gave them the script so that way they would have insight into the characters as they were filming the first Twilight movie. So that just tells you how old this manuscript is. But some months before the first Twilight film actually came out, that manuscript was leaked. She got really upset about it. And she ended up just releasing everything that she had on the book on her website, free for readers to download and read. And so it's been there for over a decade. There were always talks that she was going to complete it, but it was always pushed back. There were a couple of setbacks like E.L. James's Grey, which is 50 Shades of Grey told through the male protagonist's point of view, which if you don't know the history of 50 Shades of Grey, it started as a Twilight fan fiction. So I think that was really upsetting for Stephanie Meyer. And so the fact to finally get that well over a decade later, I don't even know how many years it's been, 13, 15 years, uh, 12. 12 years, that's just kind of crazy to to fathom. So that's why everybody was kind of freaking out about the fact that Stephanie Meyer is releasing this book. I have to say that my 13-year-old self is very excited about this book. However, the 23-year-old <laughs> is slightly disappointed because... After uh, Twilight came out, I read uh, The Host, and The Host was fantastic. Um, And she also wrote a short story that was part of the Eclipse book, the short Second Life of Brie Tanner, I think. And I thought those were fantastic. They really showcased her writing, which is really good. And honestly... Bella and Edwards are kind of boring to read. I'd love to read about some of the other characters, like Alice's backstory or Rosalind or anyone. Rosalind? Rosalind. His sister. Rosalind, yeah, that's what it was. I just want to back up to the fact you mentioned Brie Tanner. I think of all the Twilight, if you want to consider, it's a novella, but I think of all the Twilight writing she's done, that one was actually my favorite of, of even the novels. So yeah, definitely she could explore more. But on the other hand, I'm I'm really happy for her because I can only imagine what a huge triumph it must be to finally say this book is done, given its history, given how badly fans wanted it. And also given, I think, frankly, the level of abuse she kind of faced in the public eye, because I do think she she faced a lot more scrutiny than maybe any other YA author out there. And for somebody who I consider to be one of like the three main authors who really solidified YA, she faced so much criticism, so much flack, and I'm just really happy for her at this point. One of the reasons as well why I'm just like so excited for it is just for like the novelty and like how much of a power move it is to just act like after all this time and having like having so much of it has just been online already that she's just turning and saying, you know, I'm just going to release it anyway. Because it's something that diehard fans have obviously wanted for so long and that we've all known about for so long. So it's like, nah, well, I'm just going to release it because 
why not? People will read it, and I, I just love it. I think it's such a such an exciting idea, and it's just I can't wait for it. Saul mentioned the the criticism of the original uh, Twilight books, and and that was part of part of what's been going through my head with this release, and is like will she be able to address some of the criticisms? Because I think the criticism at some point got out of hand, but some things are fair. I recently like rewatched the Twilight movies, which are different than the books. But my impression was like, oh, wow, this series was a lot more problematic than I remember not reading so critically when I was like 12, 13 year old boy. Um, and some of the relationship dynamics and some of its representations of uh, Native American peoples. I do hope that you know, for this book to just be a runaway success that we can all celebrate that in 2020, she is able to kind of touch up some of those things. She has had these 10 years to develop her writing style and to develop um, who she is as a person as well. Like, I'm sorry that I'm going to mention this, but J.K. Rowling in the Harry Potter series, she, her, the Harry Potter books are very much a product of their time. And I feel like she tries to add on a lot now to seem current and to seem up to date and to show that she's changed as a person whereas the books like she can't accept that the books were published then and that's fine whereas Stephanie Meyer has this unique opportunity to show yeah I wrote those then but now as the world has changed as she's changed this is what she can produce 10 years later and the fact that it's a series that we all know so well I think it's going to be really clear how much she's developed as a writer and yeah I'm quite interested to see how that goes. I'm going to go back to life and death for a second, just because she has a foreword before the book saying like why she wrote it and that there are changes in the book. And a lot of it has to do with her writing. Like she didn't do enough research or something, or she got some facts wrong. So um, I'm interested to see if she's going to incorporate that into Midnight Sun, now that she's actually like done more research and written Life and Death, which I think might have helped her. I think I'm going to cut it short there because this is a bonus episode and we don't want to go too long. So that book comes out August 4th and we will definitely, I imagine we're going to have an entire episode devoted to that one, just like we're going to have an entire episode devoted to Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes next month. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Midnight Sun a lot more in the coming months. Again, if you have thoughts or comments on Midnight Sun, please get in touch with us. We'll share them on the show. Those links are in the show notes. The second big piece of news that we wanted to cover just broke a few days ago, which is Percy Jackson has been picked up by Disney Plus and is now going to be a TV show. This is another one of those things that fans have been waiting for and asking for for so many years. And it's also kind of surreal to think that it's finally happening. So context on this one. Obviously, there are a couple of movies that Percy Jackson fans don't like to talk about. They were produced about a decade ago, and they're pretty terrible. Ever since then, everyone has wanted a Percy Jackson TV show, including Rick Riordan, who hated the Percy Jackson movies. And now that Disney has acquired 20th Century Fox, this happened, I think, last year, they were able to get the rights for the Percy Jackson film franchise or anything that has to do with adaptation, because I think they already actually own the publishing rights, uh, but they didn't have the rights to the movies. Now they do. 
Rick Riordan has been working with Disney for months, it sounds like, to try and make this happen. According to him, he is involved in every aspect. And it looks like he's even started writing the script. I was honestly not that surprised because he's been tweeting about it potentially happening over the last few months. So when it dropped, I don't know, Twitter went absolutely crazy, but it wasn't as big a surprise as Midnight Sun, where from one day to the next, Twilight was suddenly um, in the news again. I don't know. I felt like since he has such a good relationship with Disney, at least the publishing aspect of them, I, I always thought that he would be able to push this forward. Yeah, I wasn't really surprised either because he has been tweeting about it so much. And I'm honestly surprised that Disney let him tweet about it so much because Disney's one of those companies that wants to keep everything under wraps. Yeah, it seems like the like this was inevitable. I mean, it's, it seems like a home run for for Disney Plus anyways, right? Why wouldn't they want this? They have their new streaming platform. They're trying to get as many um, original uh, series of their own. It seemed like the only thing holding this up was Rick Riordan trying to negotiate his way into having as much creative control as possible. I feel like that's maybe the only reason they had to meet so many times was so that Rick could find a way to write the script himself and, and other things like that. So I do have some thoughts about that and I don't mean to rain on anybody's parade because I'm extremely excited for the, these shows to come out. I've like everyone else, I think there are people who are more invested in the Percy Jackson series than I am, but I still read them, loved them, have wanted to see them properly adapted for screen. But when you're, I think what's interesting, for example, is that this announcement came through Rick Riordan, and Disney has still not confirmed it themselves. I think I was reading a report from Variety that said that when they tried to get comment from Disney, Disney just wouldn't comment on it at all. I'm not saying that Rick Riordan is lying or anything like that. I think it's real, but I just think it's a little strange that Disney doesn't want to comment on it. And also looking at past projects, because like you all mentioned, Disney wants so much control over things. It's actually very shocking that Rick Riordan would have so much control over this TV adaptation in the past. I mean, I remember the Ant-Man movie. This was controversy several years ago. I don't remember who the director was, but he had been working on Ant-Man for a long time, and Disney just kind of ended up taking that film out of his hands and doing their own thing with it because they had their own vision for the MCU. I guess what I'm saying is I wonder how much control Disney is actually going to give him, and the fact that they're kind of being tight-lipped right now is a little suspicious to me. It makes me wonder if maybe the creative control hasn't... Who has creative control Maybe that question hasn't been completely settled quite yet. Yeah, I think maybe he's trying to like play their hand by like just announcing that he's got so much control so that then if Disney takes more control, then Disney come off as the bad guys because it'll sound as if they're going back on what they've agreed to or what they've said. Disney possibly is also just, I mean, giving the fans their day. Uh, I think that the fans are... I, I, at least personally, would be much happier if the creative um, control was left to Rick Riordan and not to Disney. Um, So it makes me happy to think that this is coming mainly out of Rick's head and not out of the executives over at Disney. So I'm pleased with the way things have gone so far. I am actually very surprised. I saw a tweet from Logan Lerman a few hours after that was announced that 
he was so happy that the books were getting the adaptation they deserved. And I was so happy to see the person who played Percy in those awful movies so passionate about, hey, maybe these books deserved better than the movies they got. And then people tweeting, hey, maybe you could, like, I don't know, guest star Poseidon or something. I do want to say, as pleased as I am that Rick has seemingly has some creative control here, I am kind of expecting him to put his money where his mouth is because he's been, you know, talking about this project for, for years. I recently, just this morning, went and reread a blog post on his website. It's still there. Maybe we can link to it in the show notes uh, from 2018, talking about a possible series on Disney's. And in that blog post in 2018, he shares letters that he wrote to the producers of the Percy Jackson films in 2009. So, yes, they were written a, a decade ago. But if he's sharing them in 2018, they still seem to reflect his feelings about those movies. And he completely trashed them. Like, he just said that the scripts were unreadable, that they would isolate all the fans. He said, you know, please get a new writer in here who's read the book. He did not hold back. And as much as when I was reading along, I agreed with a lot of what he was saying. I was also like surprised that he would tell a movie studio he asked to be the to rewrite the script himself. I just thought it was a very bold take. So I'm excited to see if he's actually able to pull off this vision that he seemingly has had in his head over the last 10 years. In that blog post, he talked a lot about staying as true to the books as possible, which is a little bit concerning to me because I, I'm someone who likes my adaptations to be adaptations. Like I think that film works very differently than Page. And I think of other um, YA properties that have been rebooted into television series. I thought of Series of Unfortunate Events and the His Dark Materials, both who had movies that kind of, you know, weren't so <laughs> popular that then got redone. And to me, the Series of Unfortunate Events that really strayed from the books in many ways was a fantastic adaptation. And something like His Dark Materials that tried to stay really true to the books felt kind of slow when I watched it. So I am hoping that he's able to still adapt this and take the, you know, the the advice where he needs to as a screenwriter so that we also don't get like a Crimes of Grindelwald situation where just because Rick is a fantastic author doesn't mean he's going to nail screenwriting his first time out. I have to say I'm a little bit offended about the, sorry. Yeah. Feel free to about come the to His Dark Materials thing. Cause, oh, uh, I'm sorry. I, no, I, I really liked it. I didn't. I don't remember the film very well. I think I've only seen it once when it first came out. I was quite young and clearly have repressed that memory. Um, but I, to be honest, I watched the first series of His Dark Materials last year and then read the book after the series. So my opinion is not going to be quite as like sure. But I don't know. The, watching the series really made me want to read the book. So now that I've read the second one, I'm interested to see how well it's actually done. That's really off topic, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I get where you're coming from, though, Spencer, because I, I think I feel the same way. They're two very different mediums, and so they shouldn't be, like, exact copies of the other. And I, I think sometimes in order to be able to effectively convey the same thoughts, feelings, or themes that are in the book, you have to be able to change certain plot points or even character aspects in or yeah just to, in order to be able to convey that same sense and feeling that the book was going for especially with percy jackson that really was written as an epic right like it 
Percy just goes on adventure after adventure and runs into monster after monster. And it's lovely to read, but I do think the plot uh, for a film might have to be tightened up. So I just hope that Rick still, obviously I just want him to be creative and, and to just take it wherever he wants to do it now in 2020. Whatever vision he has in his head today, that's what I really hope comes out. I hope he doesn't feel too pressured to follow the books exactly. Um, I'd like him to see, to see you know, the television series that he's always wanted to make. I think that's a massive bonus of making it a TV series as well. They've got mm-hmm. so much more time, much more scope to fit in those extra points that had to be taken out for the film. And I do completely understand that it's a different media. So I think seeing it as a TV series might add, well, they have the opportunity to add so much more that fans are going to love. Yeah, I think the one thing as well, like at the end of it, that gives me a lot of hope for it is that Rick Riordan is just a really good storyteller. So it's like, even if he is doing it in a different medium, like it's, I'm quite confident that he's going to be able to make a good story out of the TV show. And I, I think it's important to point out, too, more than likely, he's not going to be the last person to touch the script. It looks like he's writing the first draft. He shared an image on Twitter, I think, about himself writing the draft. Uh, but in projects like these, generally, scripts go through a lot of different hands before they finally reach their, their final production. I have to say that I am concerned about how much... Uh, Disney might stifle him because his characters are quite diverse, both neurodivergent and in terms of ethnicities and sexualities. And that comes through already from the uh, third book, I think, onwards, if I remember well. But Disney is notorious, at least, for kind of um, censoring gay characters or giving them a second of screen time. So I, I do want to see how they play that out. No, I think that's a fair point. And I was actually wanted to bring that up as well, because recently we saw Love, Victor, which is a spinoff of Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. Did I? Is that the full title? I hope I said that correctly. More specifically, the movie, which was called Love, Simon. Way easier to say. But that was originally going to be on Disney+. Plus. Now it's going to be on Hulu, which is also Disney-owned. Um, you even saw things like, I think di- one of Disney Plus's huge titles that they were promoting was a revival of the Lizzie McGuire TV show. And that was another one where they clashed with the creator. I think he exited the show. And now that entire show is in what you call development in hell. Like there's just no, there's currently no progress happening on that show. And I think it was because they were concerned about some of the subject matter that was going to be in it. And so, yeah, I think there's definitely a place to be worried of, about the fact that Disney has the rights to to do this TV show. Um, at, on the other hand, I think it's a great opportunity for Disney to kind of take some big steps for themselves. It would be a fantastic opportunity for them to really change the narrative that they've been telling for, for a while now. So I think we're going to stop our conversation there on Percy Jackson. That is another one where we're almost surely going to have future episodes about the show as it's produced uh but either way midnight sun and percy jackson two very excited thing exciting things to look forward to thanks for listening to this episode again if you like the show please leave us 
a rating and review in Apple Podcasts and also subscribe to us wherever you're listening. And again, if you have any thoughts or comments about Midnight Sun or Percy Jackson or anything else in another episode, you can get in touch with us through the links in the show notes. Next week, we are going to have our Why Did We Talk About Harry Potter So Much? We already mentioned that in the last bonus episode, but again, we're just pushing things back by a week. And then a month from now, roughly a month from now, we are going to have our discussion about a ballad, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snake, which I'm very much looking forward to. It's kind of weird to think that this episode will be out by the time that book has already been released. Anyway, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. Thanks for being with us here today, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. 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 time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking for something to listen to after this podcast is over? We always suggest reading a book. And what better way to consume books than with Audible? In the subway or in the car, when you're mowing the lawn or doing dishes, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. You can always catch up on your TBR list with an audiobook. And for listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. Audible selections includes books like Victoria Aveyard's Red Queen series and Tomi Ediemi's Children of Blood and Bone. Again, go to audibletrial.com slash bookstack for your free audiobook. And don't forget that even if you quit the trial, you get to keep the book. <laughs>